Welcome to Turning Point, healthcare's first show dedicated to featuring leaders and the key turning points in their lives that have made them who they are. Here's your host, Stacy Wong. From Servicon on the Turning Point podcast, interviewing Felipe Osorno from Keck Medicine. Really excited to have him on. And as I've mentioned before, um, this podcast is really just our opportunity to highlight what it really takes to be successful in, in healthcare leadership today and the moments that make us who we are. So Felipe has a really, really interesting background and I wanna turn it over to him to share a little bit about what he's doing today at Keck and one of the things that he is absolutely most proud of. So go ahead, Felipe. Sure, uh, thank you, Stacy. Um, so happy to be here today. Um, so I'm the executive administrator of Continuum of Care Operations and Value Improvement at Keck Medicine of USC. And I know that's a mouthful and most people have no clue what that is. Uh, so it's really a two-headed job. One of it is continue, uh, Continuum of Care, which is really supporting the teams that help us move patients in and out of the hospital setting. So that includes our transfer center, the busiest in Southern California, case management, social work, discharge planning, and it also includes responsibility of our post-acute care. Uh, the second part of my job is the value improvement office, which is our internal process improvement team that uses Lean and Six Sigma and other methodologies to really empower the frontline staff with tools and spaces and platforms to tackle their own problems, to make uh, care better every day with better outcomes and uh, lower use of resources. Um, and that's, that's what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. That's pretty simple. So what's something that you're, you're really proud of that you have accomplished at CAC? So I'll mention a couple of things. One, I think it's building this value improvement office. When I started at CAC eight years ago, uh, it was a team of a couple of folks that were really just doing project management and analytics for, for the C-suite and really turning it into a professional team of about 18 individuals that supports clinicians, physicians, nurses, throughout the entire health system from inpatient to the ORs to uh, our community hospitals in building a culture of continuous improvement. Uh, as part of this, now we have a group of nurses, engineers, MHAs, uh, that work together and really, again, the key is not solving problems for people, but, but helping folks with tools and spaces to, to solve their own problems. So I think building that, I think as part of that, we've implemented something that we call the CAC operating system. Mm -hmm. It's our Toyota-inspired management system, which is an interconnected set of tools that helps us manage and improve every day. And this includes our tiered huddles, our visibility boards, how we deploy goals. And that's really become a, a sticking glue across the, the health system. If I can mention something, uh, a second thing that is more recent, and of course, very relevant with COVID-19 that I'm very proud of is, yeah. is having given the, the great honor and opportunity, of course, at, at time to feel like the worst thing that has happened to me of leading our vaccine uh, mm -hmm. operations um, across the university. And, um, it was a very humbling experience because this was so, of course, very emotionally 
charge uh, as the vaccines uh, that came about 15 months ago, giving us some hope. But all of a sudden, there was just so much pressure and visibility into getting it right. And having the opportunity to, to bring together a group of about 40 individuals from ambulatory care, IT, marketing, pharmacy, nurses, employee health, because uh, it really took a village to stand up an operation like this. Um, and knowing that, that at Keck, I think we always try to do the right thing um, of making sure that those who needed the vaccine the most were having access um, and respecting, because you know, at the beginning there was very little vaccine, everyone wanted it and we had to be very strict about who got it. And, and being an organization where I think we, we really led from a values perspective of doing the right thing yeah. um, was I think a, an extremely proud moment for me. And I think being a year and a couple months in and we've given in our operations about 110,000 uh, vaccines and knowing that for the most part, no one skipped the line, no one got it because of who they were, but really because of the need they had. Mm. And as part of this, I think we, like many others, we saw big uh, gaps with uh, disparities uh, and who was getting the vaccine. And still in LA to this day, we have our communities of color under vaccinated. But I think at Keck, we really tried to bridge that gap with a lot of community outreach, community events. We're in a heavily uh, Latinx uh, populated neighborhood. And we really try to close those gaps and making sure those who needed the most who were being hit the hardest got the vaccine. So that's, I think, um, it was just great to work with an amazing group of people to yeah. be able to to save lives. I think it's a one in a lifetime opportunity to be part of something like that. Yeah, that is pretty amazing. Thank you for the work that you guys have done. Um, Going back to your continuum of care kind of initiatives, you, you were mentioning a little bit of what you're proud of. And what I hear is you're, you're able to bring a lot of different stakeholders together and get stuff done, right? Bottom line, what are some of the challenges that people might not know that you have you know, figured out how to solve? Uh, and I think you, you uh I think you you very, very uh, perceptive because I think that's one of the things I've, I've honed and learned that to do over time is bringing people together. And I think that's, I did it with a vaccine. I think um, at, when we're tackling problems at work, that's what we do. We need to bring everyone in the room to try to solve it. And that's the only way to really solve it is to listen to all, all the perspectives. I think some of the challenges is, um, I think assuming everyone is as excited as you are about solving a specific problem. Right. And then because it's a top problem on your list, assuming incorrectly that it's the top problem on everyone's list, right? So you bring a group of clinicians and nurses into a room and uh, and then and then I think, no, no, well, yes, this might be a problem, but not their biggest problem, right? Um, and also, I think it's just, and tied to that is really understanding perspectives, right? It, it's really releasing your agenda and trying to be humble and curious in how you ask questions to really, truly understand the other's perspective. Mm -hmm. And knowing that a problem is not solved effectively by your imposing your brilliant solution in your mind. Right. But really letting go of that and listening to everyone and building 
a solution together, right? right. And, and it's 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 having those moments of biting your tongue, being humble, mm -hmm. and knowing that long term things will sustain better if if we really listen to the folks who who do the work every day. Uh, knowing that if they're closer to the problem, they're also closer to the solution, right? Absolutely. Um, I'm not a clinician. I've never given a shot in my life. I can't prescribe. I, mm -hmm. And knowing where my expertise lies mm -hmm. and really respecting the clinicians and their expertise. And I think sometimes um, it's easy to forget that. And, and really, I, I think that the secret is, is understanding where people are coming from, what's in it for them, what do they care about? Um, and when you unearth those beliefs and values that really drive our behaviors, because people focus on behaviors, it's like we need the doctors or the nurses to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Right? Then we just say, oh, doctors should X. Mm -hmm. People don't work that way. You need to understand why they're doing what they're doing, what might be driving that, and then try to get under what you don't see uh, and you can only do that by listening and asking good questions, questions mm -hmm. right? Good questions. And, and I think over time, I think one of the things um, I felt is that I've gotten better at, by no means perfect, is asking better questions. And I think earlier in my career, I probably was more focused on trying to prove how smart I was and you want to give the mm -hmm. best answer so you can share it kind of prove that you earned your seat at the table versus now it's like well i'm here for a reason i don't need to prove that and really more value will be unlocked more insights if i focus my energy on asking really good questions yeah uh that i don't know the answer to so that folks to challenge are both individual and collective thinking and I, I'm sure one of the reasons why you're so successful, Felipe, is that you you show how much you care in those questions, right? You're not just asking questions to kind of check a box and fill out your survey and then go off and come up with some amazing plan. You are willing to pivot based upon their feedback. And another thing I think is so amazing, when you get a bunch of different people together with different, just even left brain, right brain, how do you motivate, inspire them? to really care about some initiative. You have to, you really have to come at it at different angles. And like you're saying, ask those questions and appreciate those responses. I'm sure it takes a lot of time for you. Well, I think it's always thinking of short-term versus long-term, right? I mean, of course you can patch and try to fix something quickly and, and do it in a mechanical way, but that it'll quickly fall apart and go back right. to the way it was. Right. Um, I, I think for me, and I talked about leading from my values, like the vaccine, and I think that this, the vaccine operation, I think, allowed me to lead in a different way than I have led in the past. And when, because again, my, my main job is process improvement, right? and everyone wants change, but no one wants to change. Uh, and, and I think I tended to be more mechanical and very business-like and always kind of presenting more like the very, um, well-groomed leader trying to lead the organizations from becoming more standard-driven, et cetera. And I don't think I showed enough of my heart and personality. Mm. And when you, when, of course, in the pandemic, I think 
put all of us in different emotional states of vulnerability. And I think being able to lead from the heart and really say like, I let everything from like how much I cared about getting yeah. people vaccinated right, and right. how much I cared about doing it right and not forgetting the vulnerable people. Uh, and I think that, that I think inspired people in a different way mm. because it was not just me getting, trying to get something done versus me saying it's like, this really matters to me. And I know there's the famous uh, cynic book, the, uh, always start with why, but it, but I think really when people see that you care yeah. and why you care and that you're not just trying to give an inspirational speech that you don't believe in, like people right. see through that very quickly. Like they, totally. people know if you care about something or not and being able to infuse that passion. Um, and of course the vaccines were something that was easier to lead around because everyone really wanted to get the vaccines up. Right. Right? I mean, this was one that, there was no uh, competing priorities. It was like the one thing we needed to get right. right. Uh, but, but I think being consistent as well, right? I mean, I think I was so um, like just relentless in trying to make sure that we did the right thing. Um, and an example of that is when vaccination opened up beyond healthcare workers to those over 65, you can imagine every person over 65 believe they should get it first. Um, and in a place like USC, we have a lot of different stakeholders and constituents that could be vying for that from patients to professors to community members. And being able to really express my point of view and getting the support to say, we have an immediate community of very vulnerable people that have very high mortality rates why don't we vaccinate them first, right? Yeah. And for example, when it opened to over 65 and we had seen internally, even for our own staff, it was the people of color, Latinx and black in lower wage jobs, um, environmental services, dietary, et cetera, that had much lower vaccination rates. So instead of, of just opening up to over 65, what we did the first day that we could vaccinate over 65, we invited the family members mm. over 65 of our most vulnerable employees with the lowest vaccination rates. And kind of making decisions like that to say like, let's do this because we want to save lives. Uh, and trust me, in the vaccine, especially at the beginning, now there's plenty of vaccine and it's a different dynamic, but being able because we were leading from our values and our principles to defend it every time who we were vaccinating. And trust me, there was a lot of unhappy people because everyone who didn't get it was like, why not me? Right? Yeah. And, and being able to know that we were making decisions based on principles that we could go back to, I think people saw that. And I, I probably was seen as a stickler who would not bend no the mind. rules <laughs> a centimeter, right? Um, but I think it's that consistent and conviction and values and that, that you're doing this because you care and about doing the right thing, yeah. then it, it's, I think people probably responded differently because we led that way. And I think there yeah. was tremendous respect in doing things. And I think that 
back to your question about inspiring is, is just being very authentic and sharing why you care. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I, I felt for, because we all put different masks in life, right? Of how we think we need to show up. And I think being able to kind of take that off and just showing up so authentically, yeah. Um, I think liberated me to to lead in a in an effective um, way that I think uh, inspired people. And again, we got all done. Was it beautiful? No, I mean there were times where there was tension. I mean, like we had to stand up an operation in like two days because there was so little information coming. And yeah. We got it done, and um, it was. I mean, to me, it would probably be looking 20 years down the, the road, a, a career highlight, having had this opportunity. So I'm, I'm getting that sense that this is really impactful to you personally, yeah. this whole experience and, and the outcome, because it was such a positive yeah. one that you led. How has this experience changed how you now go back to your, your continuum of care and process improvement role? Uh, I think uh, in several ways, I, I think always, and of course, not every single thing you're going to do in life or you're going to be equally passionate about, yeah. right? And But you need to find what makes you tick about something and really bring that authentically. Um, I think I have, a, my eyes have been open to health disparities much more than they were before. And I think not just me, the entire nation. And I think there's, you can see everyone really starting to focus on equity and that the, the um, pandemic has really, unearth uh, some very ugly truths about healthcare in America and some of the gaps we have. So I think, for example, bringing equity into every conversation and when we're trying to solve something, it's like make sure we, we improve the care for everyone. It is, this is not just about moving whatever metric, but it's like it needs to move for everyone. And let's yeah. see when we look at a problem, is the problem the same uh, for men and women or people of different races or for folks who are non-binary like it's really trying to be more inclusive in how I solve problems mm -hmm. um, and I think folks really respond to that because when you ask the question is okay well how is this experience different for folks who might be older and younger or again speak a different language whatever defines uh, their uniqueness in diversity uh, I think that I learned a lot and I think just leading very authentically mm -hmm. kind of no masks no trying to be perfect just trying to uh, really be very authentic and communicate always why I'm passionate about something and why this matters to me um is is something that um I've probably incorporated into to how I lead oh, that's phenomenal because I think of your background and you coming from like the chem chemical engineering side of things, very left brain, mm -hmm. and you're talking about right brain activities of just that heart and bringing your authenticity and being more vulnerable and leading with that passion. That's really amazing and probably very unique. Um, yeah, and I think it, and you're right. I mean, coming from an engineering and consulting, just very structured, mm -hmm. structured, structured, mm -hmm. structured, and I think people respond to people right and, yes. and and i i'm blanking on who said this but i think really people don't remember what you said or what you did they remember how you made them feel 
And I think that's something I think about more is how do people feel mm -hmm. when they're with me, right? And, and am I lifting people? Mm -hmm. uh, and am I inspiring people? Um, and I think there's, there's, I think, much more perception of that and, and, and how we engage. And I think back to that, that um, humility and really trying to understand the other's perspective. Because um, I think when people really feel heard, they're like, okay, well, I can work with this guy. Like he is, he's not just trying to impose his agenda. He's really trying to bring me in to build something better together. And if people really feel they're part of something and they can contribute and you're not just telling people what to do. And trust me, I mean, part of it is probably being a parent that you learn, like, you can't tell anyone what to do. I mean, like, <laughs> people only do things because they want to, not because you make them. Uh, so I think that the human side uh, is something that I, I, over time, honed in more and trying to learn how to really connect with that, both for myself and then with others. Right. I love it. I love it. Okay. Thank you. That is such great background and, and information. And um so many insights. So the last question I want to ask you, I'm, I know you're a very well-read person. I can see the literal stack of books behind you in your office. Is there a book or a person that has really influenced your outlook on life, on your career that you could share? Um, it's a good question. Uh, I mean, I think it's been so many. Uh, I, I try to learn from different perspectives. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to, I'm struggling a little bit to think of like the one thing. I, I mean, I think there is a book going back to these questions. Because um, I, I, I think that's been a big shift in me is, is focusing my energy on asking good questions yeah. uh, that are genuine. Um, there's a book called Humble Inquiry by Ed Shine, a professor at MIT. Uh, which I came across I, in a couple of different places. I took a, a professional coaching um, workshop a couple of years ago, really trying to hone in how I lead from a development perspective versus a kind of telling people what to do perspective. Right. And again, the key to that is asking great questions, right? Like, like the only way... Um, you're an effective coach because a coach's job is not to tell people the answer, but to help them discover the answers is by asking really good questions. And this book, Humble Inquiry, that really talks about you only really ask effective questions that you don't know the answer to, right. that you really care, that you're not just asking them to check off the box, but because you really want to learn it, that you're willing to let go of your perception of how to solve mm -hmm. a problem by how what the other one shares, right? And I think people, you can really build trust and effective relationships by asking genuine questions. And I think that it's, it's a very short book, but I feel it has really good uh, wisdom uh, in terms of, of just, it's very simple, but effective. Uh, and it's a very quick read that I would recommend. It because that is something that I like we're very aligned on that I think asking questions and really digging in letting go your, of your preconceived notions and being open to shift your mindset or your plan or your agenda it's very difficult 
it does take a lot of humility. And I love the, I love the title, humble inquiry. I think, I think you just nailed it. And, um, you know, I'm going to share this and I'm just wondering if you're open, if people had questions for you, wanted to learn a little bit more about you, your background, or, you know, what you're doing at Keck, are you open to them contacting you on LinkedIn email? Yes. LinkedIn is the easiest way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I check it daily and folks can connect with me there and send me a message and, and that's probably the best way. Awesome. Felipe so wonderful to meet you i learned so much about just your role at keck and and what what it really takes to get people on board and um i'm grateful for what you've done with the vaccination efforts as well so thanks for highlighting all of that and we will be in touch thanks again for listening to this episode of turning point feel free to look up stacy wong on linkedin for more of her original content on all things healthcare. Have a great day.